Hey, I'm JR from the 18 Over Par with Mike and JR podcast, exploring the sights, stories, and sounds of golf on the prairies, where you'll find some of the most golf courses per capita of anywhere in the world, and beer. Lots of beer. 18 Over Par is proudly presented by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Pulling up to the clubhouse in a ride that looks half as good as your golf attire just isn't cutting it. It's time to improve your ride and your drive. You can purchase a new or used vehicle from Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park and the former Manitoba Amateur Champ will take you for a round at Breezy Bend. So now pulling up to the clubhouse won't be so damn embarrassing and neither will your golf game. You can book your test drive today at winnipegdodge.com. Just ask for Jamie Wilkie. You can also check him out on episode two of the 18 Over Par podcast. He'll certainly be happy to see you. You can also find them on social media, so make sure you improve your ride and your drive, and the only place to do that, the new Winnipeg Dodge. They're different. You can check them out, winnipegdodge.com. It's the 18 Over Par Podcast with Mike and JR. You suck, you duckass. Welcome to 18 Over Par with Mike and JR, proudly driven by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. I'm JR, he's Mike. And today we're joined by PGA of Manitoba Teacher of the Year and head coach of the U of M Bisons, Derek Goodwin. He's also the Golf Manitoba Junior Boys coach. He pretty much coaches damn near everyone. He's also fluent in Trackman Tech and a certified club fitter for Callaway, Ping, TaylorMade, Titleist, and Cobra. You can find him as the Director of Instruction at St. Charles Country Club and online at DerekGoodwinGolf.com. All right, super excited to bring in Derek Goodwin, Suitable name, at least for the last name. Uh, he is very, very good at golf, and he seems to win a lot of awards. So uh, fitting for that. And uh, we also want to give a huge shout-out to Jamie Wilkie, as always, in the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. Wilkie, he is a former amateur champ, and you can check him out at the new Winnipeg Dodge. And if you buy a vehicle, either new or used, from Mr. Wilkie, he'll take you for round at Breezy Bend. So it's a great deal all around. And as well... Derek, just for coming on, you're going to get yourself an 8-inch custom DQ cake from the Nick and Nicky group of DQs. You can find them at DQ Polo Park, DQ Northgate, DQ Niverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. You can also follow them at DQ Manitoba on Instagram. So you are one of our younger guests that we brought on the show. So how did you get into golf? I got into golf through my father and my grandfather. Um, I actually started golfing at the age of three with my dad at Dauphin Lake Golf Course. We would head out there every once in a while. Um, so are the stories that I'm told <laughs> and, uh, and head out there and play. Um, I do have some, some very vivid memories, actually, of, of being out there on Dauphin Lake. I used to tee off on the tee boxes and and then to run and pick up my ball and hop in the cart with my grandpa and head off to the green. And, and my dad would say, go put the ball on the green. You can putt out. And I always go put it on the furthest spot from the hole and putt out from there. So I got <laughs> nice. off to an early start. <laughs> so you're a master at the fast play game. 
Uh, pace of play is usually not an issue with me. The uh, no practice swings and just hit it and go. I like that. So did you grow up uh, in and around that area then? No, I grew up in Winnipeg, but okay. uh, my, my dad did grow up in Dauphin. So we used to go up there and visit his parents quite often. And then, so what uh, then brought you to, I guess, where, where you're at today? What brought you to, to St. Charles? Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll try to make a kind of long story, not so long, but as a kid, so I say I got off to that nice early start, but as a kid, I didn't really like golf. I used to think it was boring. Um, talking <laughs> to kid as, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old. Um, my dad would watch it on TV and I really did not want to watch it. I remember telling him, Hey, can we watch something else? Like anything else, like please? Sonic the Hedgehog. And exactly. Actually Ninja Turtles and stuff like that. <laughs> um, so yeah. And then I don't know what happened. I guess, um, when I was about 15 years old, I kind of stopped playing baseball and, and going into high school, uh, something happened and I got a, I caught the bug for the game and, and I asked my dad to get me a golf membership. And he said, there's no way you've been telling me for years that you don't even like the game. <laughs> so I said, I'll make you a deal. If I go out and if I go try out for the high school golf team and make the team, you got to get me a golf membership. And I had never broken 90 before I go to tryouts. I shoot 82, 83, make the team. And, uh, <laughs> it gets me, uh, gets me a membership that summer. So then I just played as most kids do. And they catch the bug all day, every day. What high school was nice. that? That was Glenlawn Collegiate. Oh, okay. okay. They are and, known for their you, athletics. Yes, they are. And then I had read that you got a membership at Wildwood. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. I got uh, That was the first membership there. Rob Damsgaard was the pro, a uh, bit of a mentor of mine. Was a junior member there for a few years and then played uh, for one last year there. Actually worked there for a year also before heading off to college. Nice. JR, have you ever played Wildwood? I have not, but I've seen pictures. Oh, it's beautiful. I, I'd say it's the Augusta of the North, really. It's very lush. <laughs> and once you're, once you're in there, it's like uh, you wouldn't even know that you're in the middle of the city. So I, I really enjoy that track. It's very tight, though. So I, I, I lose a lot of balls there. Did your dad give you lessons then, like there? Or like how did you all of a sudden accelerate from, you know, shooting mid to low 80s to becoming a, a professional? Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess my dad definitely helped me a little bit, right? Like with a few stance and posture things. Um, you know, my dad was always a pretty decent player, single digit handicap when I was that age. Um, so he helped me a little bit, but as I tell most juniors now, more than anything, I just played and practiced a lot. Like that's all I did. Right. So wake up in the, in the summer months when you weren't going to school, mom or dad would drop me off at the course at seven 30 in the morning on the way to work. And they'd pick me up at dark and I would hang out there all day. That little nine hole track I'd play at seven, eight, nine, ten 10 times a day. Uh, just keep going around and kind of more homegrown swing, I guess, in that sense. Well, that's kind of a, an interesting path into golf because that's similar to what I did is it's a great babysitter. So for all those parents out there who listen, golf is a great babysitter, especially in the summer. Just drop the kid off at the golf course and they'll, and they'll go play. That's what I did. And then I was there so damn much. They're like, well, why don't we get you to work here? And so I started working, didn't golf as much. And so that's why I'm permanently shitty. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I digress from, uh, from, from myself. So once you caught the golf bug, did you, you went to like university there's, or a college, there's a program that, in golf that you took up? 
Yeah. So I think like a lot of people when they were in high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do um, when I grew up per se and, and got older. So I took a year off after high school and I knew I just loved playing golf. And I spent a lot of time with the pro at Wildwood there, Rob Damsgaard, as I was, as I was saying, and I kind of said, Hey, he lives a pretty cool life. I wouldn't mind trying that out a little bit. How do, how do I get into this? Right. <laughs> um, and so I looked at going to some golf schools down in the U S and ended up going to Lethbridge college, uh, taking their professional golf management program on a recommendation from Chris Enos, who is now the head professional at breezy Bend. Oh, funny. And, uh, yeah, I spent three years there after my first year in college, I ended up getting a job in the back shop at St. Charles and I've just worked my way up ever since. That's awesome. And and I wanted to ask about uh, the golf management program. I know we talked with uh, Bailey Coolis, hashtag Esapanko, episode seven, about a similar uh, golf management mm -hmm. uh, program she did. So was it pretty much the same? You know, she talked about golf field trips and, uh, you know, uh, one class was about turf care. So I imagine it was similar. Yeah, it's so it's a basic business administration program, like the same one you would take at Red River. And then they throw all the golf side of things into it. Right. So we had golf skills class where we got graded on our playing ability. That was uh, <laughs> our tests were nine hole and 18 nice. hole playing tests. We had turf care, golf psychology, food and beverage management um, rules. We had a, <laughs> a full semester on golf rules class. That might have been a bit of a dry course, but yeah, it was it was a great program nice introduction to business mm -hmm. but then we would get to for those certain classes head out to the driving range and the nine hole course down the street and uh and spend spend a couple classes there a semester that's awesome and then one of the things i read that i wanted to highlight among the many many awards that were dizzying to read that you've <laughs> accomplished was the uh the uh, scholarship awards for two years and it was based on your gpa and 36 holes of strokes stroke play so i thought that was pretty good you got the academics and the athletics uh so good for you sounds like mike and i <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything less from you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you, uh, and you played, they had a team, a golf team there too. Is that right? Yeah. So it was a very interesting setup. The, the golf program was really based around the golf season in Canada here. So uh, our school program didn't start until the end of September. So we were able to spend that extra kind of month or so at the golf courses working and, and playing and working on our games. And then we would finish late March. So we would get back here early April and be ready to go for the start of the season. So at the start of every school year, we had what we called our scholarship tournament. So, uh, you would get a 36 hole score based on your previous year's GPA. And then you would play 36 holes of stroke play for a combined 72 hole score where the top three or the low three guys, I guess, with all, uh, all of those combined would get a scholarship for the year. So a thousand for the winner, 750 for second and, and 500 for third place within your own year. So we didn't have to play against when I was first year, we didn't have to play against second and third years. And then that was also golf team tryouts for everybody at the same time. So um, I will say my first year, 
at school was definitely the lowest of my playing abilities or the, uh, where I struggled the most. And, uh, we could say I sucked at that time <laughs> and I spent a lot of time. I got some help that summer from a bunch of the pros at St. Charles at the time, Chris Enos being one of them, Tyler Kerr's like uh, a few other guys really helped me with my game, spent uh, a lot of time working on it, went back the next year and ended up, uh, finishing, first uh, in my second and third year. So I was able to become the, the number one recipient of the scholarship there, but it was, you know, <laughs> Lethbridge is one of the windiest places in Canada. So I will say <laughs> a quick story that my second year in, in school there, our first, our first round of the scholarship tournament, we tee it up in gusts of 110 kilometers an hour. Wow. (laughs) It was unbelievable. So I played incredible that day. I shot 76 and I was the low guy for all three years. That's amazing. It was, it was windy. (laughs) It sounds like it. Well, I thought I wouldn't even let them play. I'd be like, why, why get them out there? Can you accredit some of that success to coming from Manitoba? I feel like we got some, some windy days. Maybe, maybe not, maybe not that windy. You know what? I credit a lot of that success to growing up at the Wildwood club, right? Where you, it's very tight, very narrow. You got to hit the ball low. You got to keep it in play. You hit a lot of irons off the tee. And all I really did was just not lose a ball the whole day, which is mm-hmm. pretty much what everybody else did was lose some <laughs> golf balls. <laughs> well, we should touch on that. Uh, in case uh, Mike and I lose a golf ball, you can know that it's ours because it will have mm-hmm. 18 over par on it. So uh, did you get those balls from uh, Balzinga? And who uh, put the, the decals on them? <laughs> yeah, we did get most from from Balzinga. I collected a few from some other Kijiji uh, vendors, you know, just collected all the random balls and uh, and got them logoed up by uh, an, an anonymous logoer. Uh, we won't we won't uh, name him, but thank you to him if he is listening uh, and his outfit. So, uh, yeah. So it says 18 over par. And you f- if you find him out in the bush, just let us know and uh, you win. A free shout out on the podcast because we're not giving you shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Or we may just bring the truck uh, to the front of St. Charles there and have an accident. And all of a sudden, oh, look, all these balls are littered all over the putting green there. <laughs> exactly. Well, one of the guys I bought them from, he lives right by St. Charles. So he, he said he finds them on his uh, his bike ride. So maybe some of those are some of your students' uh, golf balls, Derek. You know, very well could be, although St. Charles is a difficult course to lose a golf ball at. We have a, one of the nines with some water, but other than that, it's it's pretty tough to lose a golf ball out there. It's pretty open, and you can hit it into the other holes if you need to. The trees aren't too thick in most spots, so there's not a ton of lost balls at that course. Yeah, well, we wouldn't know, but maybe one day. <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day we will. Um, so just running down some of the awards, and I know, Mike, you did a lot of research on this, uh, but in I believe it was 2014, you got the PGA of Manitoba Apprentice Professional of the Year. Uh, so how do these awards get handed out? Are they just, you know, go and they go to the pros around Manitoba and people just vote on it? So what happens is uh, you have to be nominated by a fellow PGA member. So I can nominate any of my fellow PGA pros for an award I have in the past. Uh, Someone must nominate me for the award. And then you kind of work with some other people, maybe somebody who's nominated you, any references, and then fill out the nomination form through that and a little bit of writing about yourself and then pumping your own tires a little bit. (laughs) 
And then it gets voted on by an anonymous uh, board that the PGA puts together um, of about anywhere from, I think, four to, to seven people. They vote on on who the winners for each award are for the year. And do you still actually get to play in tournaments as well? Like, are there PGA of Manitoba hosted events that are just for professionals? Yeah, we do. We have a little PGA of Manitoba circuit. So we typically play in about five or six events a year. Uh, last year was much smaller as you guys can all imagine with COVID and we've had our first event of the year. Our spring classic was canceled uh, due to public health restrictions here. And our second event has been postponed. So hoping we can get back out there right away, but we do always have a player of the year award too. So we have a nice little order of merit race uh, throughout all of our tournaments and all the guys can kind of compete for that. And we play for big, big, big prize money out there. (laughs) <laughs> just kidding <laughs> it's all for glory we know we play for a few bucks so it's fun it's always good to get the competition in and uh and get out there and compete so it's a lot of fun and what's then curved you into the teaching lane yeah i mean um that's a great question i guess if i really look at it helping people has kind of always been something I've really enjoyed. And the first, I remember the first time I gave a golf lesson, we had to give free lessons in school and it, you know, I feel bad for the guy I gave a lesson to now looking back at it. It's just, it was just awful. Um, so that wasn't what really got me into it. But once I got going at St. Charles and got to help out with the junior program and stuff like that, uh, and seeing the kids have a lot of fun and being able to be out there with them and act a little bit like a kid yourself and just enjoy with them, enjoy the game. That's what really got me started. And then when I started giving private lessons and you would see somebody hit a shot that they've never hit before or get the ball airborne for the first time or finally hit that draw that's been eluding them for you know decades and their face just lights up, it kind of gives me a nice feeling inside that, you know, you're making people enjoy life a little bit more. I mean, as you guys probably know, golf's way more fun when you play well. So uh, I just like, you know, I enjoy helping people play better so they can have fun and enjoy the game and play more. Absolutely. I can relate. I feel like I can relate to that feeling. However, my tips are, they could just be getting lucky, but I'll tell a guy like he's in the bunker and he digs down and, you know, open the face and then he hits it great after he just hit three against the lip of the bunker. And then uh, you feel pretty good, but that could have just been luck. Uh, (laughs) No, you know what? uh, I bet you you that's a great tip you gave him there, Mike. I have no doubt in my mind that you gave him a wonderful tip that has changed his bunker life for forever. (laughs) (laughs) He'll never golf with me again. Maybe that's the change, but uh, yeah. And then, uh, so you, so you get, you know, you do all your, uh, you know, you, you have all this, these, uh, certifications and training and, and you're, you're at St. Charles and I wanted to touch on the St. Charles, uh, I read the brochure today, the coaching programs and performance center. It, uh, it looked a little bit like Bryson's uh, swing lab with all the things you got going on here. So I wanted to ask you about a, a few different things here. And one of the things our, our friend over there, Rod at St. Charles always tells me about is the Trackman range. So, you know, I play a lot of Nintendo Wii golf, so I imagine it's, it's pretty well similar to that, maybe with a little bit, uh, upgraded technology. 
You know, if you can get the ball around on the Wii, then you'll be able to figure out that Trackman range pretty quick. But, um, <laughs> you know, all joking aside, the Trackman range is brand new for us this year. So it's been a really neat addition to the club. Really what it is is we have three giant Trackman radars. So one kind of on the back of the range and two out in the range. And every shot that you hit on the driving range is tracked and you can get your ball data directly to your phone. Um, so talk about, you know, the best case scenario for practice, getting out there with your buddies and, and having a beer or two on the range and just enjoying that. I mean, we all know how busy golf courses are right now and sometimes tee times are tough to come by, but having that for our members, uh, and guests when they come out to play to, you know, enjoy the range just as much, if not more now than the golf courses is a pretty cool feature to have at the club. Yeah, and, it, and so it all works through an app on on your phone or mobile device? Yeah, so you just download the TrackMan Golf app. It connects you directly to our TrackMan radars because uh, that's where you're, where you're located. Mm-hmm. You hit a couple shots and pin your location on the driving range, and then every shot you hit from there, you get that data right to your phone through the app, and then you can play different games. So you can just stand there and hit shots and you know get your carry yardage, some uh, yeah. distances and uh, curvature and offline and all that. But then you can also play games that they have built into the app, like Bullseye and Capture the Flag and, and stuff yeah. like that. And I think I heard they have Sim Golf coming soon too. So you could play oh, wow. Sim Golf on your phone on the driving range, which is pretty cool. <laughs> that's awesome yeah no i saw that the different games it was almost like top golf without without the physical top golf you got the virtual top golf through the app i guess and uh do you find that you know this that those type of video game um experiences excite you know especially younger players and engage them to practice on the range more compared to you know i hate going to the range i can i've been golfing probably 12 times this year and I've gone to the range once, which is, doesn't do well for my game, but I just prefer to, to play the game. So, I mean, if, if I had something like that, I feel like I would be more inclined to go to the range. Yeah, definitely. Our juniors love it. Like the juniors, their faces have lit up every time they go to the driving range and they love that type of stuff. But I would say for sure our our younger members and those middle-aged members think it's just the greatest thing because it really is right. Like you can go to the driving range and know exactly how far every single club in your bag goes. So when you go to the golf course, you can have that confidence that, Hey, I know I hit my nine iron 150 yards or, or whatever you do hit it. So I would say our, our younger members definitely uh, really enjoy it. I think there's still that learning curve with it, right? Just like anything else. And the longer we have it, the more people get used to it. And we'll start to see more and more people out there having competitions. And I'm sure throwing a few bucks down on, on the range to see who can uh, win the bullseye contest or anything else that they can kind of come up with their own out there as well. For sure. Yeah. And I heard that the technology is fairly limited. Like you're maybe one of the only or ones in Canada with the TrackMan system right now, or maybe there's only a handful. Yeah. There's three clubs in Canada that I know of. Uh, we were the third anyways, for sure. So Royal Ottawa, uh, Point Grey in Vancouver, and then St. Charles Country Club in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Nice. Wow. Very good. Well, it is, it is a beautiful That's- facility down there. And I, I did get a tour I think it was earlier this this year and just seeing as you can you can do like you can hit shots both indoors and then outdoors there's i guess two bays where they you can open up the gates and just let them fly on the range is that is that correct 
Yeah, that's where I spend most of my time at the club. That's our performance center. So that's kind of our teaching and fitting building. So we got two hitting bays in there. It's on the side of the range. So we got the big garage doors that open up. And uh, in the summertime, we keep those things open. You're in a sheltered space. So I can teach in any weather conditions except for lightning, which is, you know, makes my life a lot easier. And I'm very thankful to have that opportunity. Uh, don't have to cancel lessons when it's raining out and stuff like that. And then in the wintertime, we shut the doors and we put screens up and have the projectors going and we kind of have, uh, you know, almost virtual golf going in there, but more of a, a training setting. We actually installed virtual simulators in the clubhouse this past winter that we'll be continuing with. So that's kind of our training building. And then we have some stuff indoors in the winter. Virg, nice. It's not nice. track, man. Did you actually have to go to like university or take a course for it or like an online course? Well, there's, there's like TrackMan University that actually anybody can go take. There's a free version of it and you can just go learn about, you know, the way that the wind affects the golf ball and elevation and, you know, what all of the numbers, you know, club pass, swing direction, club face, angle of attack, low point, you know, all of those things you go on. Uh, for a long time about all of those, just learning what those parameters mean. I mean, our TrackMan range only gives you eight um, data points. Uh, it is three big units that can track up to 100 balls at the same time, so it can't quite track everybody's club at the same time as well. But I am a TrackMan 4 owner myself, so I do have the little personal orange unit that I, I bring to most of my lessons, and that's the one where you can get all of the club data and stuff like that as well. I don't, I, I bet that thing couldn't even track my club at, even if I was the only one on the uh, range, it's just, it's just all over the place. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I think, I don't think you're swinging any faster than Wilco Newbar or, uh, or Bryson Chambo. So <laughs> I think we can make it work for you, Mike. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Confidence. Maybe. Hey, maybe if uh, I got some club fitting done, right? Uh, uh, we we visited our friend Colwyn Abgral there at Golf Town. No, no free or sorry, golf golf tech. My bad. No free ads. And uh, he he noticed right away my clubs were too long. They're just standard length clubs. He pinned me at five seven. I was a little uh, put off by that. I'd at least say five nine. Uh, radio radio makes you sound a little bit smaller yeah. than you actually are. Right. And, uh, so what, how can you, what are the advantages of getting your clubs fitted? Because, you know, obviously there's some investment there, but is, is it worth it to get your clubs fitted? I think it's worth it to get your clubs fitted at almost any skill level, to be honest, maybe not a, a pure raw beginner, uh, just because you got to learn to hit the golf ball first. But once you can make contact and get the golf ball in the air, you can see some significant changes with proper fit clubs. So if we start with the driver, I mean, just optimizing the, first of all, the length of the club so you can actually find the center of the club face, right? I mean, the longer the club, uh, to a degree, I mean, you're only allowed to go 48 inches for the driver, but the longer mm. the club, the more speed you can generate. But if you can't hit the center of the club face, the speed means nothing, right? So you got to hit the center of the club face, find the optimal length there, and then optimize your loft so that you launch it and spin it optimally. And then mash that in with the right flex and weight for the shaft to put it all together to kind of fine tune that end. And then you can really find some serious gains in both consistency and distance if you do that. 
I mean, you talk about irons too, the importance of that. The same thing applies with the shaft and the length, but then you got the lie angle with the irons also. And if you got clubs that are too flat or too upright for you and they're coming in either, you know, toe first or heel first, that is going to open or close the club face. So the ball will draw or fade excessively or the opposite direction of what you want. So sometimes like if you're having trouble maybe hitting a draw and you always hit a fade, just simply getting your clubs bent upright may be the solution right so a proper fit mm. set of golf clubs goes a lot further than most people give it credit for right yeah i know jr i think you wanted to get some fitted clubs but at first you wanted to to figure out your swing and i you're putting in the work to do that myself i don't know if i'm putting any work into figuring out my swing but uh, i should probably get my my clubs fitted maybe that will be an improvement yeah, well, I've definitely been saving up for that. And, and now hearing it, I think on multiple occasions now where we've had folks who are much better than us at golf and professionals, I mentioned that it doesn't really matter what level you're kind of at. It's probably a good idea to at least explore the idea of, of fitting your club. So you could be like, oh, yeah, look at this. My heel always hits the ground first. Well, that's probably an issue. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't really yeah, think about are. these things, right? You don't think about these things until we talk with people like you. Yeah, it's definitely a very overlooked aspect of the game. And I mean, you go to most places, right? Like it's there. We're not going to at our place. We don't charge our members any extra to get fit for golf clubs because you want them to play the right equipment. That is one of the perks of being a member at our place. But, um, you know, I think getting fit by somebody can go a long ways. And, you know, the, the question I always have from people is, well, I'm taking lessons. I don't really want to get fit for my clubs because I, they're not going to fit me once I've made this swing change. But I think that getting fit right away by someone who also teaches the game, right. Whether it's your actual coach or not is really important because I can put you in a set of clubs that's going to help you now, but it's also going to be good for you once you've made those swing changes that you are working on. And, and now with the adjustability with the drivers and hybrids and fairway woods and all of that stuff, um, you can just, uh, you know, quickly, take the torque wrench and open them up and change it however you need be. And you can grab a lie loft machine and throw the irons in there and bend them again if, if need be as well. So I think that you should get fit sooner rather than later for golf clubs. And also I've seen sometimes too on your Instagram, speaking of getting fit, uh, you're pushing some iron there as well. And then you're going to hit the golf ball. So, so you're also, I guess, uh, you encourage other people you, you, you train or even as being a coach of the University of Manitoba Bisons to get into the gym and then as well hit some golf balls. Yeah, I think that, you know, fitness is a big part of the game now, right? Everybody's hitting it so far. You got to be able to keep up with that. But actually that video that I posted, that's pretty funny. I, um, I was just testing that out and I thought it'd be fun <laughs> to post it out there. But you know, you go play in like a really important event, um, a tournament or something like that, or you're playing your buddies for a lot of dough and there's a hundred bucks or something riding on that last putt and you get over it and your knees are shaking and you can barely hang onto the club or <laughs> you're teeing it up in front of uh, someone for the first time who you feel like will be embarrassed. The cart girl. The cart girl. <laughs> there you go. Right. Or when you play through somebody and everyone's watching, you're like, oh, I don't let me top this one. <laughs> Yeah, and they saw you. They saw you coming up so fast. Oh, this guy must be good. He's got the nice hat on, the brand new shoes, right? Oh, he's got the nice new Callaway clubs in the bag, right? No free ads there for you guys. Um, but 
actually, you know, so what I did is I was lifting weights in the backyard and just being like, I wonder if I can elevate my heart rate enough to kind of simulate those pressure situations, right? Like the first time I played in the player's cup at Pine Ridge, I couldn't even get the freaking ball on the tee on the first hole. I was so, so darn nervous, right? So your hands are shaking, anything like that. So after I did that uh, little workout and then when it hit some shots, that's the closest I've ever been to feeling the same way over the golf ball as in those tournaments. I was Mm shaking my heart rate is elevated and i think it's just great practice like in in some of my junior junior programs what i'll do with the kids is have them do push-ups or jumping jacks or kind of do some sprints and then go hit a shot and see if they can hit it just like they would if they were in a relaxed setting it's a great way to train sounds like a great way to get pumped up too yeah absolutely (laughs) i don't know if i and i don't think i'll start there but i did read about uh the tpi beer (laughs) tpi (laughs) that could help actually don't yeah we won't get into that but i read the uh tpi assessments which is titleist uh performance uh institute Institute. or something like that yeah yeah well how about that and uh so they're they're fitness program and it's like basically analyzing what movements my body is and is not capable of so basically you're gonna fat shame me into hitting a straighter (laughs) shot as what as how i see it but uh maybe focus focusing more on the not capabilities of my body but can you speak to that Yeah, we won't, uh, we're not going to fat shame you there, Mike, by any sense or anybody else. There's no fat shaming going on, but really what it is, is, uh, it's functional movement for golf, right? So it's really important for me as a, as an instructor to understand somebody's physical limitations, right? So let's just say, you know, hypothetically speaking, uh, someone lacks internal hip rotation, right? They're unable to rotate their hips and I'm standing on the lesson tee for an hour with them and I'm trying to tell them to turn their hips for an hour and they can't physically do it. Well, if I don't know that I'm either going to injure the person, we're going to regress in their swing and we're going to not get them better at all. And they're never going to come see me again for a lesson and tell everybody how horrible of an instructor I am. Um, or I can understand the limitations and I can know how to teach around it. Right. So, uh, that's just, one thing that I think can go a long way to playing better golf, but also just when you're trying to change your swing is you have to do things that are within, you know, your physical capabilities rather than just trying to swing like Rory McIlroy and be five foot nine and rip it three twenty in the air all the time. Oh, sounds like absolutely. Me. Yeah. And those I think are, those that are my specs right there. Five foot nine, that, 320 yards off the tee. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. You know, and not everybody is built the same. Not everybody has the same flexibility or strengths. And I think that goes back to one of the other things I read is, is uh, your whole program at St. Charles, you're teaching the individual and you're not teaching methods. You know, you, you know, you, you're really analyzing the golfer and then helping them. You're not just, you know, driving one thing into somebody. Yeah, I mean, we speak a lot for uh, function over form. I really don't believe that there is one model that everybody should swing the golf club the same way, because as you just alluded to, Mike, like everybody's different, right? Like even the three of us, we're all different heights, right? We all have different physical abilities. Some of us are stronger than others. We're not going to mention names, right? Oh. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you, you need to be able to move in a 
way that is best for you to swing the golf club. So when I get somebody come in, like that's one of the first things I'll do. If I see them making some funky moves, it's like, Hey, can we just quickly test this and just see if you have the, you know, the shoulder mobility that's required that for, to do what you're trying to do. And, and then right away mm. we can either say you don't let's find out how you can improve on that or we got to go a different route. Right. Or Absolutely. just, or just give up the game altogether. Um, <laughs> you know, take two weeks <laughs> off and quit. Right. Uh, Derek, one other thing I read about uh, the performance center is you guys have a putting studio in the pro shop which I'm sure gets used a lot on rainy days by the pros, but I'm sure the members use it a lot too. Uh, I, I read a little bit about it. I didn't retain any information, but it seemed like you had a lot of technology. Typical. Uh, <laughs> a lot of technology for putting as well. Uh, what kind of technology you got it in the putting studio? Yeah. So, uh, the first thing I will say is I'm very fortunate to be at St. Charles, right? Like we have all this fantastic technology. That's so cool and very modern. And, you know, I get to play around and use all of the stuff and it's great to help the people that I teach and coach with as well. So our, our head pro now old head pro now director of golf and COO has put a lot of his own resources into building that up. And I'm just fortunate to be able to use it, but that has been a great addition. I mean, putting is so overlooked with, uh, with most amateurs as anybody can putt. I don't need to spend any time there. I want to hit bombs, right? That's what's sexy, <laughs> Amen. right? That's what gets the cart girl coming closer, yeah. coming over my way. Right. But, um, no, the putting studio is awesome. So we have a Quintech launch monitor, um, which is the same unit that Bryson DeChambeau uses for putting. So, you know, it has to be good then. Right. Um, <laughs> it gives us science. A, he does like the science. Uh, so it is so detailed in the analysis that we can look at for the way that the putter moves, the way that the ball rolls. Uh, I mean, how it launches, if you can believe, yes, the putter does launch the golf ball into the air ever so slightly. Um, and then you need to get it rolling optimally and there's a proper way to get it moving. Not to mention that if we quickly go back to club fitting is, is a putter is something everybody should be fit for. If you're not yeah, fit for your putter, go get fit for one, right? Like don't use a putter off the rack or you're just going to keep buying putters and putters off the rack. That's why most golfers right. have 30 putters in their basement, but it's a time right. 35 years right. old, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah. but it's, it is fantastic. I mean, I had a lesson in there today with, uh, with a really good player. And so we spent about 20 minutes diagnosing his putting stroke and we looked through all these fine details. We went into, you know, a lot of technical analysis. And then we found the simple answer was he aims his putter left. So he wasn't fit for it. Right. There's the first ah, problem. Right. But we just worked on aim and then instantly he started making more putts. Now, if we're just watching him putt and doing that over and over again, could you figure out that he aims left? Sure. But would you know that that's the issue? Not necessarily because where's his putter face when he strikes the ball, right? Cause that's really what matters. So if he, if someone like, if you, right, if you guys aimed left all the time with your putter, but you squared it up at impact, well, just leave it. Who cares? Right? Like it's squared impact. But mm -hmm. if you're aiming left and then when you hit it, it's right. And the next one, it's left. And the next one, it's right. It's like, holy smokes, what's going on here? Right. For sure. So it's a really easy way to get all technical and, you know, confuse people a little bit and then try to simplify it so they can uh, go make mm -hmm. some more putts. Yeah. It sounds like you wouldn't recommend somebody just buying a PXG putter online without even seeing it and then getting it shipped to you. 
That sounds like that might be somebody who's, uh, you know, on this podcast right now. Might <laughs> so I, you know, you, I bought the putter cause it looks cool. And then I look cool. And then I, I actually did putt a little bit better, but yeah, I would, uh, I would agree. It'd be probably be, uh, probably be better to be fitted to a putter. But, uh, I think my biggest struggle with putting is what's between my ears. And, uh, you know, I get my knees shaking a little bit and, uh, I, I read that you were a certified golf certified in golf psychology. I was going to say a certified golf golf psychologist that might be that might more be credit. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, certified in golf psychology. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, just, uh, another way to, to learn, right. So every winter, because we have such a short golf season here, really in Winnipeg, um, I just kind of at the fall every year, I say, okay, what are the courses I'm going to take this winter to try to become a better coach? And that's when I took, uh, Oh boy, you guys are looking back quite a ways. That one was quite a while ago, but, uh, I think that, you know, golf has, you know, Arnold Palmer would say golf's a game play between the eight inches between your ears, right? Um, is it's so overlooked your pre-shot routine, your post shot routine. Yes, that is a thing. And I think it's more important than your pre-shot routine. Um, you know, the way that you handle yourself on the golf course, uh, so a really good example, right? When I was a junior, just like a lot of kids, I used to get angry a lot, yeah. right? You hit one bad shot, you throw a club, you break it. We can all relate oh, yeah. to that, right? Yeah. It always happens. Um, you know, you I'm pretty say- chill. I'm pretty chill on the course. I think I'm not even being sarcastic, but yeah, you are, but I can tell you, you can tell his face just gets flush red and you're like, Oh, Mike's upset. <laughs> internalizes the anger. Oh, he does, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's a pop I, bottle. <laughs> you can only shake him so much. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, I think it's just uh, another way to help me, you know, get people to play better golf. And uh, sometimes... A swing change isn't what's required, right? Like, so to make a swing change, you really need to put in the time and the work to make that happen. We could go into the details of the stages of learning and all of that stuff. And I mean, that applies for everything, but if someone's not really willing to go to the range and practice and actually do repetitions and do the drills correctly and take the time to make slow motion rehearsals and do all of that stuff. You're better off either just learning to manage your game better or just work on your mental game. Right. So actually one of the better call it golf psychology courses or mental training programs that I have taken is uh, vision 54, which uh, is run by two women, Pia Nilsson and Lynn Marriott, who are just two fantastic individuals. They were Annika Sormstan's coaches uh, throughout her career. Oh yeah. I've they heard currently coach. Yeah. Yeah. She's okay. Right. 59. I mean, not okay. Uh, or not, not too bad. Not too yeah, shabby. Yeah. Um, but they currently coach Kevin Strelman and a, and a bunch of women on the LPGA tour. And they talk the way that they put it makes so much sense to me is your human skills times your technical skills is kind of what your potential is. Right. So you need both to play like unbelievable golf, but if you have technical skills, you're only going to go so far without those human skills or those mental skills. Right. And then vice versa as well. Once you, once you get those human skills or the mental skills, you can only go as far as your skill level will take you, but you can get a lot closer to the potential you have with your skill level. If your mental game is in check. Well, you brought up the post shot routine and I've, 
it's interesting because when we're recording this right now, the U.S. Open is on, and sometimes you'll see shots, and the guys, or even on the on the LPGA, if there's someone that's not you know teeing it up or in the fairway, you see them just so focused, like they could give two shits about what's going on over there. They're so focused on that shot, or they're doing what you said, like a slow motion thing with their swing just to kind of get everything down so is that something that you work with uh the people who you give lessons to is that what you work with uh, them on yeah yeah absolutely i mean so for like if we talk about routine a little bit i think practice swings are an absolute waste of time unless they have a purpose right mm-hmm. so if you're trying to make a swing change you can make a practice swing other than that i tell people not to make a practice swing i mean me knowing as much as i do about the golf swing also i'm making swing changes all the time and i still don't make practice swings on the golf course so i think they're a waste of time um, <laughs> a waste of energy as well i only got so many swings in me right <laughs> well you touched uh, on the, fitness before maybe you need to get more fit yeah. Do more cardio, less yeah. less weightlifting. Maybe, eh? yeah. he, he also said he played seven nine hole rounds in a day right. at at Wildwood. So yeah, that was a long time ago. I was a kid, <laughs> but uh, that post shot routine is so overlooked, right? So I really believe golf's played off feel and memory, and uh, how you how you react after your shot is going to determine whether you remember it so you can recall on it later or not. Right. So memories are stored by emotions. We'll go into the super, super quick and basic, but memories no, are stored like by it. emotions, right? So if you show emotion to the shot, you have a much greater chance of remembering it. The problem is, is that negative emotions hold about five to 10 times greater the weight than a positive emotion. Right. So with most amateurs is they hit, a good shot. It's like, I expected to do that. Right. Like I should do that all the time. So then they just walk off and they don't even celebrate it. Right. And then they hit a bad shot and it's like, what the heck is going on? I suck. I'm terrible. And they start slamming clubs and all that. And then the next time they're in the same situation, they go, Whoa, last time I was here, I hooked it into the water. Oh, that's all I can think about right now. And then mm-hmm. what do they do? It's the old classic. Don't hit it in the water. Don't hit it in the water. And then you hit it in mm, the water right. or you right. bail out and hit it a hundred yards the other way. <laughs> um, so you want to either show a positive or a neutral reaction to your shot, regardless of the result. Right. So celebrate the small victories more than you give yourself credit for and try to show a neutral reaction on the negative shots. So you can just move on from them, accept them and, and move on to the next shot. Wow. I'll have to re-listen to that about five times, but uh, that was pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty amazing uh, information that you just gave us. Yeah, we're life gonna have change, to do a, life we, changing. Yeah, we're gonna have to do a, a whole separate podcast just on golf psychology. I like. It. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I did want to touch on a little bit of St. Charles. Um, uh, which we, I guess the whole thing I've been saying is all about St. Charles, but, uh, obviously, uh, obviously they got an extensive history and I, I wanted to touch on a few events that St. Charles hosted, um, because I like history. So yeah, in, uh, I was thought it was cool. 1952, they hosted the Canadian open won by, uh, Palmer. Johnny Palmer, not Arnold Palmer. And uh, probably the only Fourth time cousin. that, yeah, the only time that Manitoba's hosted a 
PGA event, I would guess. But uh, and then they had uh, some senior PGA events. Shell's wonderful world of golf, which the footage is still on YouTube. But I've I had watched that like a few years ago too, and then kind of touched on it again today when I was doing some research. But uh, more recently, the 2010 LPGA. CN Canadian Women's Open. Were you uh, were you around for that, Derek? I was around for that. That was my first year working at the club. I oh, was wow. scrubbing hooks, cleaning carts, and driving the range picker that year. So I got <laughs> to spend a lot of time. Actually, for that event, I got uh, the old weekly promotion up to the pro shop and got to work in the merchandise tent and a little bit of time in the pro shop, meet a few of the LPGA players, and, and spend a lot of time at the course. So uh, that was a really, really cool week to be a part of. And, you know, almost I almost got to witness Michelle Wee make her hole in one on the 11th hole for the tournament, the second hole on our Ross nine. I was Mm -hmm. walking up the 10th hole as she, as she made it actually to head out there and watch some golf. Um, so we have a plaque out there on our second hole on the Ross nine where she made her hole in one from, and then went on to win the tournament. So that was a really Mm. cool event to, to be a part of for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, did they grow out the rough and blast the sub air systems on the green for, for that? Uh, I don't know about the sub air system. Uh, oh, oh, you guys don't have that. <laughs> we don't quite have that, but uh, we did have that. That was a very wet year, so it was a very typical thick uh, mosquito year. I remember mm. all of the women playing that week were kind of like, "It is unbelievable how many bugs are in this city." Oh. Yeah, welcome to Winnipeg, right? Yeah. It's just the mosquitoes. <laughs> So that is conducive to growing some really long, thick, rough. It was pretty nasty. Uh, it was very, very gnarly rough for that week. So it was, uh, you had to hit the fairways. There's no doubt about it, but the greens were soft also because of it. Yeah. Well, it sounds like that the, the mosquitoes didn't keep the fans away because I think they were averaging about 15,000 spectators per day, which would be, uh, quite the sight to see in itself having that many people just go onto a golf course when you don't when usually there's maybe a hundred people out there you guys got some insider information wow i had no idea that was the number that's uh, that's quite the research you put in there but yeah. yeah it was the grounds were packed right that's all i can really say is you could you almost couldn't move out there we turned our first hole on the west nine into all like the merchandise and the food and beverage tents and all of that stuff so we it's nice to have that extra you know uh, real estate there to put the tents up the staff we actually parked on the fourth hole on the west nine which is like the furthest hole from the pro shop on the entire property we had to park out there and walk in every every morning all right on the green of the the west nine yeah not quite on the on the green there though but uh the west nine gets no respect it gets zero respect it's the least favorite nine there's no doubt about that yeah well we had uh spearsy spearsy adam spears on the last episode and he's a, a St. Charles guy. And uh, yeah, I think his favorite was, was it North the South, South nine? Yeah. Of, yeah, South nine North South. Like, he likes North South. Yeah. Which I guess sounds pretty typical yeah. for, for those at, at St. Charles. Yeah. yeah. That would have been so. the, uh, like those are our two championship nines, right? So when the mm-hmm. seniors were at our place in 2000, right, I actually got to watch Jack Nicholas play then there wow. as a kid. And uh, when the ladies were there in, in 2010, um, that's, that's the rotation we played. And that was the rotation we had Brooke Henderson play a couple years ago when she was out at our place for a little charity event. And Mike Weir had a charity event at our place and, and played that rotation as well. That's our members favorite rotation. So, nice. uh, 
you know, two historical architects, right. With Donald Ross yeah. and Alistair McKenzie. So uh, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty uh, prestigious company there with some of that. We're actually part of the Alistair McKenzie society, which is pretty cool. And we hosted them a couple of years ago. So they get to come and, you know, fly in all over the world to Winnipeg, Manitoba and, uh, and play St. Charles country club. So it's kind of cool to host all those people. There's a limited number of courses in North America designed by Alistair McKenzie and, and St. Charles would be the only one in Canada. And in, uh, there's a little course in Georgia named uh, Augusta <laughs> national. Uh, if I get my geography right here, JR, but uh, is also, that one. I think that with Alistair McKenzie coming to Winnipeg to design nine holes, there must've been some hot girl living in Winnipeg that he was coming <laughs> to see all the time. Cause why else would he come here? Right. <laughs> to see Absolutely. the mosquitoes. Exactly. <laughs> right. For the mosquitoes. And then one last thing, one last thing, cause you got a, a laundry list of things we could talk about, but I did want to touch, you are the head coach of the university of Manitoba mm-hmm. golf team. And uh, we did talk to Noel Nago uh, not that long ago. And he was on the university of Manitoba golf team. And he gave us a little bit of an insight on university golf and because uh, we didn't know anything about it and it sounded like they were doing a lot of tournaments down south and then a little bit uh, east to west so is that still uh, what can you what can you tell us about university golf and I'm sure it's grown since since he was a member of the team yeah I mean the program was uh, my first year actually uh, helping out Garth Branson coach the team was Noel's last year on the team so uh, I got to spend a year coaching him a little bit there which was really cool Noel can uh, smash the golf ball that's for sure (laughs) but uh, our program is taking a bit of a hit with COVID right now right so typically we travel to the U.S. and our schedules predominantly play down there I mean there's no there's no university or college teams in Saskatchewan. Anybody in Ontario is a, you know, you got to hop on an airplane and fly and being a self-funded program that doesn't really suit our budget to hop on the, the old <laughs> private jet all the time and head out there. <laughs> Mike uh, might so, know a guy. <laughs> we'll make a donation. Uh, we, we can loan out our private jet for, for some tournaments. You know, we, me and JR still like to go south uh, every other week. So. Yeah, we'll just join you guys if you don't mind. If you got room for a few players on there, sure. <laughs> yeah. You guys but, play for, for money, and then uh, you can fund the the gas ticket. But uh, <laughs> carry on. Go. But yeah, so we're so fortunate that some of the northern and Midwest U.S. teams, you know, invite us down to their tournaments to come play, and that's typically what we've done. So basically from the last week of August right until the first week of October is every weekend. And maybe the odd weekday we're heading down to North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, and, you know, getting some really good reps in against some, some quality competition down there. Uh, COVID is obviously throwing a massive wrench in that. And with the border being closed, I don't even know if we're going to be able to go back this fall. So um, trying to make some alternate arrangements. So this year we actually plan on playing uh, mostly in Canada. We'll see if we can go to the U.S. and sneak a couple events in, but we'll be heading out west this fall to play against the kind of Western Canadian teams in Alberta and B.C. So mm-hmm. we'll be driving to some Alberta events and then flying um, to one or two events a little bit further out west. Our biggest tournament of the year in the fall season is always our Canada West Championship. Um, so that is obviously played typically over in BC cause it's in October and, you know, kind of weather is not conducive to, you never know what you're going to get in Manitoba, uh, that time of the year. So they host out there in BC and we always go play in that event. We have to play against 
the Canadian teams anyways to earn our spot into nationals, which always takes place in spring. So it'll be nice to see our competition a couple times prior to Canada West this year, rather than showing up blind like we have in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then hopefully we can earn our spot back to nationals uh, for, for the springtime, which actually the Golf Canada Canadian University Championships from you know spring of this year 21 were postponed till to fall so the end of october so the plan is to play a few events in alberta in september and then head out to bc a couple times in october and then hopefully we can have a bit of a spring season as well uh, we'll see we'll see how that goes but we're very hopeful that we can continue continue forward yeah. canada west was just announced that it's confirmed to go ahead so that's yeah. a nice a nice bonus Nice, nice. Well, they couldn't have a better man at the helm of the wheel uh, with with all the knowledge that you have. So that's that's awesome. I try to, uh, you know, best coaches sometimes just keep their mouths shut. So I try not to say too much and and let the players go do their thing. I mean, a lot of oh. I'm very fortunate. A lot of the guys on the team uh, put in a lot of good work on their own, anyways, and uh, are able to practice and prepare, and they're always ready to go. And once you tell them that we're playing there, I know that they'll be putting in the necessary work to be prepared to, to go play and compete. So, um, you know, I'm very happy with the guys I have on the team. It's very, makes my job very easy. Awesome. Well, that's, uh, that's, that was all the questions. I might have a few after the back nine, just some follow-up stuff on maybe where we can, uh, how we can find you and reach out, uh, and, and maybe get some lessons from you in the future. Yeah. Yeah. You want me to hit you with that now? We'll wait till after the back nine lightning round. We'll, uh, that can be our little, our little out. Um, but, uh, just before we get into the back nine lightning round, uh, do you, so all these awards that you've won, do you get trophies for those? And do you have them in your house? <laughs> I do get trophies for those. Um, I have a nice spot for them. I actually have just packed them away. My wife and I just sold our house. So we're going to be moving pretty soon. Oh, so I can't, I, I'm sitting in the room where they're typically sitting right beside me here and I could list them all off, but, um, they will be out in full force. I'm going to find a nice place for them all in, in the new place once we get in there. Very nice. nice. Yeah. I read that you've been recognized by, uh, was it PGA Manitoba 19 times and then uh, many others. But, uh, so please at this point list all 19 awards that you got from PGA. <laughs> yeah, this is your I test. Throw me on the spot here. That will be, that, uh, please don't because we'll lose all of our listeners, but, uh, or they'll, yeah. we can list it in the uh, Instagram post. Yeah. Well, we can, we can put it all on there. It'll take up the whole post because it is long. Um, speaking of uh, long, the back nine lightning round typically goes long, even though we say it's quick fire questions, but that's all right. You can feel free to elaborate and go as long as you want. And it is driven by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. You can check them out, winnipegdodge.com. They're different. Yeah, and shout out to Wilkie. I heard he and his uh, foursome oh, at yeah. the Bogey Tour, the Bogey Tour tournament this week went uh, shot a fifty-four. That's so that's pretty saw. amazing. Yeah, I don't know if there's much truth to that because Wilkie, who knows? Maybe he was, you know, improving his lie or it was a scramble, but still fifty-four. That's pretty good. That breezy. Yeah, yeah. I'd be uh, I'd be glaring at those guys walking up taking that award. I'm sure there wasn't an award ceremony with COVID, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, 18 under par, not 18 over par. So, uh, room for improvement um, for us, Mike, that's all it is. Room, room, room for, for improvement. improvement. So, so, uh, Derek, 
the back nine lightning round. A uh, few questions here. So, have you ever got a hole in one? I have two hole in ones actually, and they happened within three weeks of each other. Whoa! Wow! How old were you, and and where were they? Yeah, so I was. Uh, I would have been twenty-one. Uh, my first one was at Evergreen Golf Center at, in college in Lethbridge. So it was my last week of college. Uh, my roommate and I were playing, we're out playing and it's a par three course and a couple of the holes I wouldn't count it on there, but the ninth hole where I aced it, I would count it. So it's 165 OB left water on the right one hopped it in. So, uh, with an eight iron, that was, uh, that was pretty cool. So that was the first one. And then about three weeks later, on the third hole at the Wildwood Club, I was home playing Damn. with my dad, and I knocked a nine iron in from about 150 yards on the third hole there, and that one was nice. pretty cool too. I actually didn't see that one go in, so I thought it was long, and my dad was persistent. He's like, "No, no, it's in the hole. It's in the hole." I said, "No, no, it's <laughs> yeah. long, right? There's no way it can be in the hole." And yeah, sure enough, it, it was in there. Nice. That's a that's a tough hole. I feel like there's like that turtle shell, and then it dips down right before the green, and then uh, yeah, usually I not on the green there so <laughs> good for you to get it in the hole that's <laughs> a lucky shot right we all got to get lucky every once in a while yeah. that's right or just or just do the science and figure it out <laughs> one or the other yeah uh, uh the next one here what is your preferred golf ball brand callaway chrome soft x triple track ooh, that's what ooh. that's what's in my bag got the got wow. my own logo on them but uh that's the that's what i play i love the ball nice jordan you're a yeah jr's a callaway boy i am i i do play the chrome so not the chrome soft x but i do like the chrome softs mm-hmm. yeah actually you know what like um there's a lot of good balls in the market and i think every company does make good equipment but uh you know i might be a little bit biased because i play them but i really love my callaway equipment and that callaway golf ball i've been very pleasantly surprised with the last couple of years so um, that's, uh, that bad boy will be staying in the bag for a little while. I really like the ball. Yeah. And shout out to Callaway golf for not officially sponsoring this episode, but for being <laughs> mentioned several times, feel free to donate some Chrome soft golf balls to myself. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Callaway staff player. So, you know. uh, obviously you are, uh, <laughs> the, uh, Warbirds. Those are pretty hard, aren't they? <laughs> That's a distance ball. Right? No, those are, I have, no, those I are have one in my bag. I, I'd use it like if it's windy, I rip, I, I whip one of those out or the pinnacle. The low nice. spinning. Yeah. Good call there, Jordan. Good call. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, so speaking of windy courses and Manitoba being windy, obviously you're at St. Charles, but uh, what is your, what would be your favorite course in Manitoba? You know, and I actually kind of knew you guys were going to ask that and I was thinking about it and, you know, we actually have a lot of great golf courses in Manitoba. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, St. Charles would probably be my favorite to play. I think just with the course conditioning, it's, there's nothing that's even close to it. So in terms of just conditioning for sure, like St. Charles is my favorite, but uh, I I really like a lot of the courses outside of the city. Uh, Minnewasta, I really enjoy playing out there that's a great track to play um you know falcon lake is always a lot of fun to head out there and play as well so those would probably be the top three and then probably elmhurst would be up there as well so i like those Mm -hmm. those would be my top four is there is there any courses in manitoba that you haven't played yet that that are on your bucket list 
Minnedosa. I'm, uh, I went mm. to college with the head pro Patrick law out there and, uh, he mm. keeps bugging me to get out there and come play. And I haven't made my way out that far. So that's definitely number one on the list that I haven't played. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I've yeah. always, uh, heard good things about Minnedosa and it's, it's on the way to clear Lake and I get out there quite a bit, but never stopped in it in Minnedosa, but yeah, just some good elevation changes. I'm sure with, with, uh, similar to some of the other courses out that way. Yeah. Yeah. It looks beautiful. I've seen the pictures. Looks great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last year they unfortunately got some, some bad rain and some of the, the, uh, fairways I think were washed out, but, uh, I think they've recovered from that now, or I'm making that up and hoping that that is the case, but, they're, they're ready for us a minute. Oh, so, yeah. uh, so obviously I'm sure golf is, brought you all over the world. Um, what would you say is the most memorable course that you've ever played? Uh, Pinehurst number two, hands down. It's not even close. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Um, yeah, I, I got to, I was very fortunate. My dad and I went out there for a golf trip in 2019. And if you guys, if you haven't been to Pinehurst, you have to go, it's gotta be, if not number one, top five on every golfer's bucket list you head out there you stay in the village once you get there you don't need your vehicle again they have a shuttle that takes you everywhere they have nine courses plus the cradle which is their nine hole short course they have an 18 hole putting course like it is golfers paradise out there so we were talking about donald ross earlier i'll say a really quick story we played number two and um we had a caddy and this guy was really nice caddy. I can't quite remember his name, but we're heading out there and we're playing um, the third hole and Donald Ross's house that he ended up, you know, spending the rest of the remaining days of his life in is just on the left side of the third hole. Mm-hmm. And the story that he told us is Donald Ross would sit out on his balcony on the second level at the back and just drink scotch all day. Right. Oh, as wow. he got older. I like it. And he would just watch golfers come through. <laughs> And if he, he could see the third and the fifth green from his balcony. And if he saw anybody make a birdie, he would walk out there, a little old man with a hole cutter and change the hole position and make it tougher. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Wow. Some, some say they can still see him sitting up there drinking scotch to this day. (laughs) Changing pin placements. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, well, actually the other thing I, I had a, an informant tell me you spent some down, uh, some time down in Phoenix, uh, which I would consider the Winnipeg of the South. So I, yeah, <laughs> we, we get down there once in a, once in a blue moon. So mm-hmm. what's your, what's your favorite course down in uh, the Phoenix Scottsdale area? The, my favorite course in Phoenix Scottsdale. Well, I'll tell you the hardest course I've played down there is Red Mountain Ranch right? It's not even close. Mm. Um, I went down there with Kevin Giesbrecht in 2012. Uh, Kevin is a three-time Manitoba junior champion. Not a big deal. I think that's what uh, most people would say after that, right? <laughs> but, yeah. our, uh, our competitors <laughs> say that uh, over at Chicklets, Barstool Sports. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so him and I went down there and we got a membership at Red Mountain Ranch and it was hard. Like it is, it's such a tough golf course to play. Um, but you know, there's so many good golf courses down there. I was actually uh, fortunate enough to play uh, whirlwind and that would be my, my favorite in the area there. 
Okay. I think that one might have been mentioned once. Or we dinosaur was it dinosaur mountain it was or something, something like that. Yeah, they all they all sound like amusement park rides. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Whirlwind is like a uh this very high end uh private club. I uh, just I was playing with another pro and he knew a member out there that brought us out as guests, so we were very fortunate oh, to very play. Nice. But uh, Dinosaur Mountain at Gold Canyon is a lot of fun to play for sure. That's a fun track. Yeah. Nice. That was the one I think did Sandy. I think Sandy mentioned that one. Yeah. Dinosaur Sandy. Mountain. And then, uh, Colin, did Colin bring that up? Colin brought yeah. that up. Yeah. 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 Um, so is there, what would be your bucket list course anywhere in the world? Well, I mean, there's probably two that I think most golfers would say, right. And that's the old course of St. Andrews and Augusta national. I mean, mm-hmm. those would be kind of the, uh, the two, if I could play anywhere in the world, I think those would be the two I'd like to play, but maybe, um, you know, a little say, bit closer. Uh, sorry. And no, sorry. Carry on. I was just going to say maybe a little bit closer homegrown is I'd like to get out to, uh, Cabot trail and play Cabot links ah, and Cabot yeah. cliffs, uh, yeah, you know, sometime soon. And I was just seeing, so out east, you may want to get out there sooner rather than later because Bell on the east coast are putting fiber in there. And so you may lose some of the sight lines on Cabot Trail there because they're going to be putting up the damn pillars instead of putting them underground because it's going to be too expensive or too tough oh. with the rock. So sight lines may be uh, drastically in danger. Uh, so get out there sooner rather than later. That's just some inside information. Note to everybody, get out there ASAP. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. I would say Cabot is probably one or two on my uh, bucket list right now. Since I already scratched St. Andrew's old course off my list. <laughs> there, that's your drinking bingo right there. Yeah. Bingo. Drink. Mike said Drink it. when, uh, <laughs> when you guys hear that. Um, so what is your career low round and where is it? Um, so I'm going to say that there's two because one, we're not going to fully count. I shot 61 at tuxedo. Okay. Hey, it's still uh, 61. That's all right. It's 61. I putted every ball out. So it's not like I was picking up or anything like that, but, um, I'll say my low, my low tournament round is 66 at the willows in Saskatoon. Oh, very nice. Yeah. That's nothing to sneeze at. No, I was going to ask if you do a lot of golfing out in Saskatoon. No, I went out there for a tournament, uh, the Canadian assistance championships for the PGA of Canada and, uh, fired a first round 66. And I come into team Manitoba and asked the boys how they did. And of course I'm grinning ear to ear and, and they said their spiel and they go, how'd you do? I was like, I was great at 66. And one guy says, yeah, you're trailing by four. <laughs> <laughs> Some guy was 62. <laughs> oh, wow. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> Oh, oh my. golf. What a game. What a game indeed. <laughs> what a game. Yeah. Now this next question, I was almost going to ax it from the back nine for this episode because you know, there's only two answers and I, we've gotten them both several times, but you being a uh, professional teacher, I think it would be interesting coming from you. So do you ever putt with the pin in or do you still remove the putt when allowed or the, the pin? That's a tongue twister of a question. That's why I want to get rid of it. But do you, pin, <laughs> do you putt with the pin in or do you putt with it out? I putt with the pin in for COVID if uh, I had my choice out all day, every day. I do not like putting with the pin in. Mm, there you go. Another one on the board, Mike. Yeah, it sounds like, <laughs> yeah, not a lot of people like putting with the pin in. However, Colwyn, one of the other t- 
professional teachers we talked to, uh, he, he didn't mind the That's pin true. in. So That's true. Mm-hmm. that might be, this might be the last episode whatever, whatever, of that question. Whatever gets the ball in the hole. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Right. Some people say they like to aim at the flag. I like to see the whole hole and the ball just disappear. Mm-hmm. Like, you miss that sound, right? Yeah, the pins there, you don't get that same sound mm-hmm. when it goes in the hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I hear that. Now, uh, speaking of holes, our flagship question <laughs> in the back nine lightning round here. What is your favorite condiment? Favorite condiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Yeah, and, and you can feel free to think outside of the box. Anything that you're putting on food to make it taste better is considered a condiment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I'll, I'm going to go sweet chili sauce. I put sweet yeah, chili sauce nice. on a lot of stuff. Mm, very good. That's that takes me, me back to the the wing days when we we right. get when we get like endless wings and uh, the sweet sweet chili wings. Yeah, that's good. You can mm. literally you can put that on anything. I think I had. Gosh, I forget what the heck it was. It was some Indian food or something that I had today, and there's a bit of that on it, and it's delicious. Mm-hmm. You know what I had it on the other day is a uh, DQ cheeseburger, <laughs> a big double DQ cheeseburger uh, down from DQ Manitoba and the Nick and Nicky group. It was absolutely delicious. You can put any Very condiment you want Very underrated cheeseburgers. Very underrated. Oh, see, there we go. Mm-hmm. We got the connoisseur here. A DQ Derek man, is a love fan. It. Do you yeah. have a, a do you have a go to burger uh, DQ? Um, well, we can you can keep this in, take it out if you'd like. I don't eat meat anymore, so I would say no any uh, longer. Right? I'm mm-hmm. a kind of okay. plant based individual, but I I do recall every time I'd head up to uh, Dauphin, stopping in Nipawa, DQ, chill and grill, and grabbing a mm. burger. So mm-hmm. good. Do, and I, you know, I feel like we're all somewhat making uh, plant-based food decisions these days and introducing them uh, from time to time. And uh, the other question I wanted to ask is what your favorite blizzard is. Cookie dough. Ah, Cookie dough. That's all right. That's a standard. That's good. Yeah. And what uh, our, me and JR's favorite is Kit Kat, but uh, they don't, they took it away from us. So we are trying to get our listeners to lobby DQ Manitoba on their Instagram and Facebook and Twitter to get that Kit Kat blizzard back because uh, we, we want it back. Yeah. Fill that inbox if you're listening. Um, but that's, mm-hmm. that has been the uh, back nine lightning round driven by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. You can check Wilkie and all the folks out at Winnipeg Dodge at winnipegdodge.com. All right. Well, thanks again uh, so much to Derek Goodwin for joining us. Uh, if you could let us know how we can find you. Are you on social media? I am on social media. Instagram is where I'm kind of the most active from time to time. I go through spurts like most people, but uh, at dg.golf is my Instagram. Uh, or you can find me a little bit on Twitter from time to time too at uh, Derek G18. That's D-E-R-R-I-K-G. 18 nice unique spelling or uh, my website is uh, www.derekgoodwingolf.com very nice check it out mike did you have anything else well while you're looking up derek go find 18 over par on twitter <laughs> instagram facebook myspace woof whatever you got map quest uh yeah, just Google us. You'll find us. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to say what a great interview, Derek. It was insightful talking to you all. You have so much golf knowledge. I could 
probably talk to you for another two hours if JR would let me here, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) we'll have to uh, hook up soon and and maybe we can visit you and, and, and see your golf lab. Yeah, you guys can uh, hit me up anytime, but uh, thank you for having me on. And I love nerding out about golf a little bit and chatting golf as most golfers do. So I'm always happy to to sit down and discuss golf. And, and thank you guys for what you're doing with the pod. I think the, the more unique ways that we can grow our sport and get more people interested in talking about the game, listening to the game and eventually getting out there playing, the better. So uh, just keep what you, keep up what you're doing. Oh, well, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, and we're uh, the reason why we're able to do this is the, the fine folks at Winnipeg Dodge. So another shout-out to Jamie Wilkie and them. Check them out at winnipegdodge.com as well. Uh, you're going to get yourself an 8-inch custom DQ cake from the Nick and Nikki group of DQs, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park and the Food Court, DQ Niverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. You can follow them on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Derek, we appreciate it. Thank you very much again, and uh, we'll hopefully maybe get you back and talk some more golf psychology mm-hmm. and everything else golf. So really appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Adios. And you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot. You're late for your tea time, as per usual. It's 12-12, but you wouldn't know. The clock in your piece-of-shit ride just blinks eights at you. It's embarrassing. You find the parking stall the farthest away from the clubhouse. It can't be seen in your shitbox. You know you're going to play awful because you feel awful. Your car doesn't match that swagger buried deep down inside. That golfing champion waiting to be unleashed. Ding. Your bumper hits the concrete as you accidentally sit on it while putting on your golf shoes. You smile. Because tomorrow, you're going to see Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. The front doors will open like the Azalea Line gates at Augusta. You'll ask for the best-looking guy there. You'll find the former amateur champ, Jamie Wilkie, staring back at you. You hand over your money. Your new ride glistens as it pulls out of the dealership. Then Jamie approaches and whispers in your ear, Son, next week, I'm taking you golfing at Breezy Bend. I'll show you a thing or two. You smile again, as now your golf game will look and feel as good as your new ride. Improve your ride and your drive with Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. WinnipegDodge.com JR, we have a lot of fun on this podcast, but I want to take a second to talk about something that has affected me personally. Every year, millions of Canadians suffer from brain freeze. It can happen to anyone. It's a hot summer day. You're aggressively enjoying a DQ cool treat, a blizzard, a dilly bar, or a variety of personalized ice cream cakes, and whammo, brain freeze. It hits you like a triple bogey. The good news is you can enjoy these delicious treats in a moderately sized bite. So get over to any Nick and Nicky's group of DQs and enjoy some DQ treats safely. DQ Northgate on McPhillips, DQ Pole Park in, food, in the food court, DQ Niverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. Go see them today for tasty treats.